All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. Everybody, welcome back to the Infinite Fringe right here on Apple Podcasts, theinfinitefringe.podbeam.com. You guys know the deal. My name is Billy Ray Valentine. Greetings and blessings. Thank you for coming and listening, uh, you know, to me and my guests talk for about an hour. It's very cool. I appreciate your time. And now, I just had Mark Devlin on, right? Well, I had him on about three weeks ago and published it very recent. But uh, we spoke about how I don't interview most people that I used to interview before, you know, based on, you know, the all the crap that's gone on in uh, in the alt media in the last few years and and uh, you know, I've I've limited my my scope down to just a few people that I that I interviewed and I mentioned Mark Devlin of course, but I also mentioned this gentleman that I have in front of me right now in the last podcast, that's Mr. Don Jeffers, right? Who is, who is one of the guys that I listened to before I got into all of this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I want to interview that guy. And I did. And he's here, right? And and now we do a show together called America Unplugged every Saturday. Um, we've been doing it for a long time, Don. Because uh, yep. even before, before we got Tony, our, it's right, just you even, and me, yeah. Right, just you and I. We did the inaugural episode over on Iconic. And I yep. want to say that was pre-pandemic. Oh, well, I think it was, yeah. Right. So it's been quite a while that you and I have been have been doing things together. I appreciate you. You know that. I respect the hell out of you. And, and I appreciate your friendship and, and your knowledge on stuff and your willingness to do things. It means a lot to me. Vice versa, man. <laughs> you, you were, you know, like, and I told the audience um, in the last episode, because I had Mark on, and Mark is a friend, too, and he's one of the guys that that uh, that I wanted to interview before I got into this stuff. But, but uh, I mean... He's a genuine guy. Don is a genuine guy. Don is going to tell you what he thinks, and 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 that's it. <laughs> there is no in between. He's going to tell you what he thinks, whether you like it or not, and it is what it is, right? You may not like it, you may like it, but it is what it is. And uh, he is here today, returning to the Infinite Fringe, because we, we did many fringes together, I want to say, at this point. It's been a while since I've had you on, but I haven't done these things regularly, even though I plan on, I, I've been I've been pretty good this year. I just took about three weeks off, but but I've been pretty good this year at pumping them out. So uh, I, I plan to continue down that road. Mr. Don Jeffries is here, legendary author, co-host of America Unplugged, uh, host of the Don Jeffries Show, and I protest. Uh, the guy does it all, right? And uh, he's uh, all over the alt media. If you don't know him, I don't know what to tell you, and you're about to find out. Mr. Jeffries, how are you? Say what's up to the Infinite Fringe. 
Oh, it's it's always a pleasure, Billy. It's uh, I feel the same way about you. It's it's great talking with you. You say that to all the alternative media. <laughs> well, I'm polite. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? So, so listen, I'm happy to have you as usual. And I told you that I, as soon as the book came out, I wanted to have you and talk to you about this. We're gonna get into something more serious later on. Your new book, your newest book, because you're just dropping them like like <laughs> like bombs on Afghanistan at this point. The way you know you have so many books coming out. Yeah. Um, so your newest book on COVID just came out. We got to have you on for that. Well, it's yeah. a separate show, but I want you to plug it here anyway. Uh, but today we're going to talk about um, your, it's not your newest book anymore, but it just came out. From yeah. Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, a Billy, a, Abbey Road, a Billy Shear story. And uh, you wrote this with a gentleman called Bob Wilson. Yes. Uh, it's your new book on Paul McCartney. Is he dead? Is he alive? Billy Shears. I, I, I love this. I love this. I've I've always loved this conspiracy. For a long time, I thought that it might be possible that you know uh, Paul McCartney was replaced by Billy Shears, by by uh, by secret agencies. Listen, man, I, I I don't I don't subscribe to that. Uh, but uh, you're not talking me out of it either. Like I'm like I, I'm willing to listen. Still, it's one of the, it's still one of those conspiracies that that is so much fun to sit and and read about and and I know you get into a lot of things but what made you do this what what was the the inspiration behind I am going to write this book on Paul McCartney <laughs> well it was this is Bob Wilson's baby this is Bob Wilson's idea mostly um I I went along because um, you know I love him and uh he's a great friend and uh, I love the Beatles you know so this is something I was interested in it was a labor of love and it's it was an easy book to write because most of the book are the interviews that we did with lots and lots of celebrities, you know, actors and musicians. You know, we have a member of Wings that uh, McCartney's group Wings that uh, oh. answered the questions. We have a member of the Love and Spoonful. We have the Beatles hair, the, the guy that cut the Beatles hair <laughs> that uh, answered the questions. Uh, you know, my, and my usual contingent, you know, Susan Olsen, Cindy Brady, the Brady Bunch, Sally Kirkland and uh, people like that. So, um, it was, you know, a very a fun book to write. Not like my usual fare. You know, if you, the, the, uh, Masking the Truth, the COVID book came out like, you know, what, less than a week after that. And, uh, you know, they couldn't be polar opposites in terms, I guess, of being controversial. But uh, so this is this is nice to talk about this kind of stuff once, because I don't I don't think anybody's going to cancel me for, no matter what I say about this, hopefully. <laughs> well, I hope not. Right. I mean, you never know nowadays. The the, yeah. the Paul McCartney loyalist will come out and say, you know what, yeah. we can't have these crazy conspiracy theories coming out. Yeah. And but not not taking into account that the Beatles were instrumental in pushing the conspiracy theory, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're yeah. definitely involved to some capacity, right? And to uh to push this out into into the consciousness of the Beatle fan. And we can talk a little bit about that as to why that is, but you spoke to a lot of people for this book, like you just mentioned. What did they give you? Who 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 gave you anything of note? Well, uh, I don't want to put too many spoilers out there, but right, uh, right, right, right. I mean, I, I basically I, I was hoping to get more people that bought into the conspiracy, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ended up having to recruit the Sage of Quay. You know, I've had him on my show before. He's right. very up to it. I, I I started to do with Jim Fetzer, but that was a little too much. And I said, no, I, I can't <laughs> deal with it. So Fetzer's too, too, you know, too strong with it. So, uh, but anyhow, so Mike Williams, the Sage of Quay, 
gives you the other side. And a couple of the others are kind of on the fence about it, but most, most, especially, you know, they come from the celebrity world and uh, some of them know McCartney, you know, or, you know, you know, have knew the Beatles or whatever. And so uh, I think they were, and that's why I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll do this like I do about Sandy Hook. You know, I'm not saying I know anything, you know, so I just, I'm just speculating. And I think like you, uh, I believe that those clues, I believe, I don't know for sure. So don't sue me, Beatles. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 but I, I think that the way those clues are laid out, you know, one of the clues you have to like look in a mirror at a certain angle to the drum set. Yeah. And it supposedly says, I, me, die or something. I mean, that you got to, uh, that takes some effort, you know, to, to put that in there and things like, uh, you know, I talk about how, uh, again, I, I, I don't think McCartney's dead and, and I, I many reasons for that because, uh, now, if you if you could you could sell me on it, yeah. if you could show me they had secret clone technology mm. back then, I could believe that because it would have to be a clone because this is a guy that looks exactly like him, is left-handed, bass player, can write these iconic songs, sings just like him. Uh, you know, what, as I as I pointed out, if if this guy Billy Shears or whatever, because he was you know apparently around then, if he was this good. Why wasn't he fronting his own band? I mean, nobody even knew who he was. I mean, he was supposedly one of a McCartney lookalike contest. If he's that talented, why isn't he in a band? You know, so, and then, of course, I pointed out many times, if you look at the timeline, uh, McCartney supposedly died in November of 66, according to this legend. Uh, basically, most of the music McCartney is remembered for was written after that. Because Sgt. Mm -hmm. Pepper came in 67, um, you know, uh, Magical Mystery Tour, The White Album, Abbey Road. All that. And also the fact if you look at, I mean, I, I am a Lennon guy. So Lennon's my favorite. So I, I, I'm hot and cold on McCartney. I love some of his stuff, but I don't like some of his stuff. But uh, Lennon was the clear leader of the Beatles in the beginning. He wrote most of the songs. He sang most of the uh, uh, leads. And uh, he was clearly their leader for a long time. However, by 66, if you look at the timeline after 66, that's when McCartney, or in this case, I guess, fall, you know, the fake fall, whoever this is, that's when right. he steps up and takes command. Right, right, right. So they're going to have you believe that Lennon let the imposter, the lookalike contest, come in and just take over. And he sat back and said, yeah, go ahead. You know, write, write almost all the song as Abbey wrote. I don't care. Um, so I think that's kind of high, highly unlikely. But like you, I think, I mean, you know, Lennon himself, who I have some irate, irate quote from him and from Harrison, both very angrily you know, saying, how can people be this stupid to believe this? But um, Lennon also on the White Album, you know, after, you know, years after this, or not years, but after this controversy already started, he throws it out in Glass Onion. He says, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. Right. So he's playing it up. Of course. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and uh, there's a lot of different things I want to get into uh, throughout the course of the conversation that, uh, you know, these these clues that were left all over the place. Right. Uh, yeah. But but if you don't mind, Mr. Jeffries, just for those that may not be familiar, like for you and me, we we know the deal, right? We've been around it. And I think a lot of the listeners are probably familiar with the conspiracy also. But those who may not know that have never heard of the Paul is dead conspiracy. Give me the basics. Well, the legend goes that McCartney, uh, I, I I think if I understand it right, was uh, you know kind of stormed out of the studio kind of in a huff for whatever reason on November 9th, 1966, uh, he gets in a terrible car accident. You know, the, the kind of like Jane Mansfield, they even throw in the, uh, the gory details that he was beheaded 
And uh, there's he was supposedly with a woman. Some people have said that's where lovely Rita came from. Supposedly her name was Rita. This is legend again. Uh, but then, of course, you have other people talking about how McCartney came up with the idea for lovely Rita by he just saw, you know, a ticket, you know, <laughs> a, a, a giving him a ticket for his car. And he just thought she was cute. He said, oh, I'll write a song about her. So uh, so who knows if that's true. But uh, so that's the legend that he died. And then this is where it becomes kind of murky, because as I point out many times, there, was, there were lots of big names in rock and roll, starting, you know, with Buddy Holly, uh, who had died suddenly. Right. And there was never any attempt to say, well, you know, the, the I mean, just just prior to this, uh, uh, Brian Jones of the, uh, the Rolling Stones, who gave the, the Rolling Stones their name and was, you know, vying with Mick Jagger. And I, inside story, I worked with a guy uh, back when I was a blue collar worker. Um, this, I, I talked about it in Unbarred Fame. This guy was a session drummer for Link Ray. He had, he knew Pete Townsend of the Who. He partied with Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and uh, Rod Stewart. He and he showed me a scrapbook. He knew all these people, but he told me, uh, yeah, everybody everybody in the business knows that Mick Jagger off Brian Jones. This is kind of a <laughs> uh, kind of an inside story. But uh, but Brian Jones was vying for leadership there, and the Rolling Stones didn't think, well, we got to get a a duplicate. And, and they, you know, Brian Jones would have been easier to replace because he didn't sing any songs. Right. So, you know, he could have presumably stayed in the background. But uh, that's just one example. But none of the other big names. And really, this is the first um, example of uh, this kind of theory by saying that they covered up a death. Because what you would have later, you'd have it with Jim Morrison. You'd have it with Elvis Presley. You'd have it with Tupac Shakur, right. where you would have the opposite saying that they didn't really die. And they covered up the fact that they didn't die. So McCartney's the only one that I know of that apparently died and they claim he really didn't. I mean, I'm sorry, that didn't uh, die and they claim he did or whatever. So yeah. it's um, it's it's a very strange uh, theory, obviously, but that's the way the story goes. And then they supposedly, and of course, it also mm -hmm. coincided with the time when the Beatles decided to stop touring. And this was said, well, you know, we can't because they, uh, you know, they, they can't you know, go tour. They don't want to go live with McCartney. It'll be given away or something, which, again, made not made make much sense. And uh, again, there's a very innocent explanation for that. The Beatles had really grown tired of the of the madness. And, you know, the last few concerts they had, the one at Shea Stadium where they uh, Lennon had talked about, they didn't you know, they could miss chords. They could miss notes. It didn't matter because right. the people couldn't hear them. You know, so uh, I think they were a little frustrated. They'd heard enough screaming girls and uh, they said so they wanted to go in the studio and make better music. But that's the theory. That's the basic theory is that he died and they uh, they came up with a replacement. And supposedly the guy was William. His name's William Campbell, but he's also known as Billy Shears. And uh, he had supposedly won a lookalike contest, a Paul lookalike contest, which I I really can't find much out there about there was a Paul lookalike contest. But that's the story. And then, as I said, if you, if you believe this, then you have to believe that this guy was arguably better than the original McCartney. Right. And, and took over the band. No, absolutely. I mean, it, when you started mentioning the albums that came after the fact, like the White Album is, I think, is my favorite Beatles album. Yeah, yeah. And Helter Skelter was on there. Yes. Um, Blackbird. Ba yeah, Blackbird, Back to the USSR. Back to the USSR, yeah. yeah. All fantastic songs. So this Billy Shears guy was together, right? <laughs> They it was hit great. The <laughs> with this dude, if, if, if that was the, the replacement, you know. So let's talk a little bit about the clues. Like, what is it that set uh, a generation on fire? Because from what I understand, just off the top of my head, right, there was a DJ that put it out. 
And well, yeah. go ahead, tell me what's up. Well, that's even that is a little unclear. Now we we uh we got a real coup. Bob Wilson reminds me that we got a coup. This guy Fred Labor, <laughs> right. uh, he doesn't give many interviews, and uh, we were able to get him. Bob was able to get him, and uh, he's generally credited for starting this whole thing. But mm. as I point out in my introduction, I go over the whole history of this, and you know, I mean, I'm always looking for you know inconsistencies, but. Uh, I can accept, okay, maybe he's the one that pointed out a lot of the clues. Maybe he seems to have been the one that made up, for instance, some of the stuff that's really kind of silly, like uh, the walrus, that the walrus is a symbol of death. And then uh, if you notice there, there's a hand over McCartney's head and uh, he claimed that was the Welsh symbol of death or something. So uh, it's that, and there's no evidence for that at all. So <laughs> he, he probably, right. he probably did make that up, but yeah. he, the story he tells is he was a student at the university of Michigan and he was listening to the radio. And he heard a caller call in talking about this rumor. So my question is, who is that caller? And it was already out there before he, so it was, so, so I don't know who, you know, it's kind of like a lot of these urban legends where uh, it's un unclear of where the origin was, but it was in the air. And I, I, I give a, you know, a little more background on that where there are other examples of it, but uh, Labor apparently took the, uh, took it and ran with it and ran an article about it. And uh, again, he pointed out a lot of the clues that we now see. And, and I think most of them were on Sergeant Peppers. And I said, you know, to me, I think the the strongest indication that that they were talking about death or something, if you look at the iconic uh, cover photo for Sergeant Peppers, the thing that is drawn to my attention is it has a funereal um, aspect to it because you're, you're looking at the at the bottom of the screen. There's an obvious like funeral bouquet mm -hmm. in the shape of a bass, you know, which is what McCartney played. And the bass has three strings instead of four. Hmm. three Beatles three left. Beatles. So, right. right. So, uh, it's, if you look at the album, it's, I mean, it's a weird cover all the way around all the, all the kind of old celebrities, most of them dead that are there. And, uh, and why they decided to, uh, I mean, was that something that most of these, I, I, maybe all of them were, I don't know how many were alive at the time they did it. Was that another illusion to death? And of course, again, you have the, uh, the hand over the head. And then if you look at, as we chose for the cover of our book, um, uh, we have uh, McCartney that had the blue Sergeant Pepper jacket on and he's uh, everybody else is, as you would expect the band to be facing forward when they're having their picture taken for an album cover, McCartney's got his back turned. Now, is that possible that, you know, that somebody would do that? I, I you know, entertainers typically uh, don't take, have their uh, pictures taken, especially for something like that. For an album cover with their back turned. So was that just to try to distinguish him, to single him out? Again, for maybe people to think, well, what's different about Paul? But there, there are tons of other clues. There's um, the, uh, the, I think it's in Magical Mystery Tour. It might be Sergeant Peppers. There's a lot of Magical Mystery Tour too, but um, where he's wearing a, a sleeve with it saying uh, OPD on it. Mm -hmm. And of course, Labor instantly said that means officially pronounced dead in Canada, like RDOA. Well, it really there is no evidence that that made that there, wow. but people ran with it. And it apparently it really was for Ontario police department, <laughs> but, but why he yeah. was wearing an Ontario police, why somebody from Liverpool for an, you know, why he was wearing that? I don't know. But so again, there, and, and I pointed out that McCartney has on the rare occasions when he's uh, addressed the subject, he kind of had fun with it, but his explanations made no sense. Like he, for instance, in, um, if you look at the music video, they did an elaborate uh, production video for, uh, I think uh, your mother should know. 
and uh, one of the songs that Lennon hated and called Paul's granny music, you know, and, and uh, you can tell he doesn't like being in the, in the, in the production number, but uh, at any rate, they're all walking around and they all have roses, red roses in their, in their lapels, except McCartney has a black rose. Now, what, what is that? that that's, you know, most people think death, but his explanation, somebody asked him about it. He said, well, well, we ran out of red roses. <laughs> well, that's, that's impossible because during the video, McCartney himself, they're running around throwing red roses into the air out of a wheelbarrow. So why would he give that explanation? And even more, I think, noticeable, the, the, the other, I think, most famous uh, clue that you see in, 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 in this entire legend is the cover of uh, Abbey Road. Right. Well, I was going to ask about that. Right. The four of them are walking across and you have, you know, Lennon is supposedly the preacher. Uh, George is the grant is the grave digger. Uh, Ringo represents the mourners. And Paul, of course, is the corpse. And he's walking along with, you know, no shoes on. He's the only one that's barefoot. So, you know, people, you know, buried with that. You're, you're buried barefoot. Well, they asked him about that. And again, his explanation made no sense. Because he said, well, it was a really hot day, so I kicked my sandals. I took off my shoes. I took off my shoes. So, so you walked across incredibly hot pavement barefoot? So again, but there's nobody, you know, it's like, I guess nobody there is going to question him on that. But I, I find that uh, a little suspect. And again, that doesn't mean I think they're covering up. But uh, something strange is, is going on there. So I think there's, uh, again, I'm not saying I know, so don't sue me. <laughs> but I, th I think there's uh, I, I think it's reasonable to speculate that the Beatles probably probably Lennon, who, despite his, uh, you know, supposed uh, antipathy to capitalism, was a pretty good capitalist himself. He was a real good promoter. So uh, I, I think, you know, he probably dreamed this up and he got Paul to go along with it. And uh, I think they left the clues out there and they, people find. You know, again, more clues all the time in that same Abbey Road thing. There's supposedly, a, but they're stretching it. Like if you read, like when people talk about Nostradamus, they'll say, well, he mentioned Hitler. Well, that means Hitler. It's almost, well, right. why isn't it Hitler then? Why didn't <laughs> get the word right? And uh, so, so this is the same kind of thing where there's a, a license tag on one of the cars packed in the background. And it's, it's like, um, something it, it's he would have, if he was alive, he would have been 28 or something. The 20 is 28 in it or something, but that's actually not true. It would have been 27. But so again, it's close and it's enough to get people's attention. But, you know, I was a little kid and I had already lost interest in the Beatles because I, I, and that's still my period of time. I like the Beatlemania when they first came and they were Lennon centric and they were singing pop songs and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I like. And um, the later stuff, I mean, I listened to it a lot, but I had already kind of grown tired of it and stopped buying the records right. but it renewed my interest when this this little boy was running around class telling everybody about it i said what so i i so i had to go buy sergeant pepper a magical <laughs> mystery tour you know look at the clues <laughs> so it, it you know there are probably millions of people that did that oh of course they're still doing it today yeah. I, I mean yeah. i was far removed from the i mean the Beatles weren't even a band when when i was born you know um and I went back and looked for everything at, at sure. one point. You know, I remember when we started The Fringe, I, it might have been the first episode because I had Fetzer on, Mr. Jim Patrick. <laughs> and uh, and he was talking Sandy Hook, but I also asked him. I don't know if it was a separate show or the same show. By the way, uh, The Infinite Fringe Premium, we're going to launch it at some point, And uh, you're going to have access to the back catalog. We will drop a... Uh, 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 one episode, one old episode a month from the back catalog, in addition to new material that you'll get 
Um, but, uh, you know, all the old stuff that I had to take down due to copyright stuff, we're going to take out all the copywritten music and repost it, you know, and, and you guys will, will get to hear it. So I, I'm, I'm, I know I spoke to him about this. I don't know exactly when I can't recall, but I asked him about the Paul is dead, uh, thing because he's into it. He does it. Yes, he and he does. was like, Billy, you got to look into this. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he's like, his ears, Billy, you know. Um, so he would tell me, and, and and I was, you know, James Fetzer is a PhD, you know. <laughs> like, oh, he'll let you know, too. Right? I remember when I, when I talked to him, he goes, Don, where, where did you, what college did you go to? And I said, uh, you know, I was a community college dropout. He goes, oh. Oh, 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 well, you would never know. And I said, oh, no, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, he places a lot know. of credence on those degrees. <laughs> My God. Right. And, and Alex used to push it because I, I, I knew him from uh, Scholars for 9-11 Truth. And Alex Jones was like, yeah, Scholars for 9-11 Truth, Jim Fetcher. So I was like, this guy, you know, he he has to know what he's talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, he told me, he's like, Billy, you need to look into it. The, the ears, Billy, the ears. Right. Yes, like, yes, ears, yeah. Apparently. Paul McCartney's ears or Billy Shear's ears <laughs> were yeah. much bigger than Paul McCartney's ears or something yeah. to that effect. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot of, that's one of the uh, pieces of evidence that people point to, to say something's up here. What, what did you, yeah. what do you know about that? Yeah, no, they do talk about the ears and they talk, there's a, uh, and again, I talk about this in the book. I, 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 you know, I'm saying this is why they think it there's, I think there's a mole on this, on this chest. I think of, uh, the early Paul or something that's not there later or, or vice versa or something, but there's a big Monday cause they have a lot of pictures of him without his shirt. Hmm. And they say, what happened to that? You know, what happened to the mole? Uh, they've <laughs> talked about, uh, I think the original Paul's face being more moon shaped, but you know, faces can change too, right. you know, over the course of a lifetime. So I don't know, man, like I said, it's, I, if they, they should have just come up with the secret clone technology cause they probably would have had me on board if they did that. You know, because, uh, but, because uh, I can accept that, but uh, it would have to be something. It's, you know, come on. I mean, a, a lookalike, a guy in a lookalike contest that was this talented and somehow nobody knew about him. He wasn't even in a band, I don't think. Well, I mean, the come conspiracy on. The, of, of the day. Well, this was a 70s conspiracy, but I guess, you know, we can make the stretch that, that, um, Peter Beater. Uh, found out things, you know, from from earlier because Peter Beater would talk oh, yeah. about organic robotoids. Oh God! Yeah. So 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 maybe, and I'm just saying for everybody out there, go look up Peter Beater. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. It's 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 interesting as hell. Yes, it's it entertaining is. as hell. Yeah. Talks about organic robotoids from Russia, um, and maybe maybe Paul McCartney was uh, or or Paul Paul's replacement was an organic robotoid. And, and, you know, he had AI technology and he was able to write these dope songs. Listen, yeah. I, I love it. I really do. I, I mean, I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm poking a little fun at the theory right now, but I, I love it. I loved yeah. sitting down and trying to research this and then finding out that Aleister Crowley is in the cover of, of yes. Sergeant Pepper also, yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. it goes back to the Illuminati roots of what they were mm-hmm. doing and that they worship Satan and all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was fascinated by it. So I still think it's dope. I spoke to uh, Jim, Jim Fetcher, Mark Devlin. I never spoke to Sage Aquay. One of these days I'll have him on to talk about it because he's a believer, right? Yes. Yeah. He was on, he was on my show. Uh, a while back to talk about something else, but I purposely guess somebody was trying to get me to, and I said, I really don't. And this was before I, you know, was writing the book. Right. Uh, I really didn't have that much of an interest in it. Cause to me, I thought that was an example. I used to say, 
because Fetzer lost. Oh, uh, well, Fetzer, you know, was getting in arguments with people so many, so much all the time over the years. I defended him so many times. He was always getting banned from JFK forums. But uh, <laughs> he really lost a lot of people with the Paul is dead thing. Because people said, oh, my God, that's just so ridiculous. And they because because he's so the thing about it is he and he and I found whether it's Sage Equay, him or whatever, all the people that believe it. They are really true believers. I mean, right. they, you know, they, and they, you know, you, it's, I can understand saying, okay, this is doubt. And, you know, I, I lean that way or something, but they're very strident about it. And, uh, you know, they don't, they don't really want to hear your objections to it. You know? <laughs> well, what's his, his key piece of evidence? What the people that believe that are hardcore true believers, what, what is it that, that separates them from the, from the rest of the pack? Well, I believe that, and again, I, I I looked at it. It's hard to find if the source is right, but, but supposedly when McCartney was arrested for uh, marijuana, I think, in London or Japan, maybe it's Japan, one of the, but and I, I'm sorry if I don't have it right, but it's all in the book. You're fine, right. Um, they now, supposedly, I mean, the, the whole purpose of this, go get the book. Yeah, well, exactly. They supposedly right. fingerprinted him and they, and uh, they supposedly did a, a study or something and compared the fingerprints to the historical McCartney or something and said it didn't match or something like that. But uh, that's their biggest evidence is the arrest record. I, I maybe it was something more than fingerprints as well. But uh, supposedly, and they 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 quote, and I have it in the book. They quote from this study that analyzed these things and supposedly said uh, this is not the same person. So you know, is it that? So that that's I think that's their the only evidence I see that really you know that's compelling though. That, that that's compelling evidence. That's something yeah. that you want to look at, right? And, and and dig a little deeper to see if it's true or not. That's yeah, and, and and one thing I, you know, the reason why I was uh, initially maybe gave it some credence because, uh, as I said, I'm not a huge fan of McCartney. I mean, it's ironic because I I love some of his stuff, but I really don't like a lot of stuff, especially yeah. I you know, especially is uh, like I I love that song "How Do You Sleep" that Lennon put on the Imagine album, and you know, it was a jab at McCartney. Right. And, you know, he said those freaks was right when you say said when you was dead. The only thing you done was yesterday, because I think that. But it's it's not an exact timeline, because, again, he, he would have written some pretty great songs after 66, Penny Lane, Long and Winding Road. Uh, Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. And so although, you know, Lennon supposedly and, re, and later Lennon claimed that the, except for the first verse or so, the first line or something, Eleanor Rigby was mine. It was all mine or something. That's what he claimed. Mm. But, uh, but they would both do that. McCarty was constantly claiming he helped write John's songs. But um, I just think there's a world of difference between like uh, Penny Lane or Long and Winding Road or, or you know, the earlier stuff like um, uh, Paperback Writer or I, even I Saw Her Standing There, All My Loving, the ones that were his McCartney songs. I just can't believe the same guy wrote those great songs that wrote silly love songs or, um, you know, let him in, you know, those kind of that things. I just, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't I know. Love that song. Oh, that's right. You like the, 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 the <laughs> what's the, yeah. And I, 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 I you, I don't know, man. I, and, uh, I think you liked coming up too. See, I don't like it. Well, that's and, my favorite. That's and, favorite and Lennon, Lennon loved coming up too. And I said, okay, I don't know. It's I don't why he it. wrote double fantasy, right? About that, that inspired yeah, him to go put together double fantasy. But, but Lennon had no, Lennon had no taste even with his own music. He yeah. used to, he, he badmouthed some of his greatest songs. Like he, and your bird can sing. I think is one of his best. He hated it. Mm -hmm. So that's just a throwaway song. I know what he's doing. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he really had, you know, that's a lot of people like that. They can't judge their own talent. And uh, I think he was probably one of those ones, but so I just kind of looked at, 
And I, I know George Harrison certainly grew to feel that way about Paul. And let's put it when, when Harrison joined the, the traveling Wilburys, which I think, you know, arguably put out as good a music as the Beatles ever did. I mean, that was an incredible group, but uh, I don't think that they would have, I don't think Dylan and Tom Petty and Roy Orbison and Jeff Lennon, the liquor, I, I don't think they would have asked McCartney to join. Mm. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think they thought he was in that class. And uh, so I think they looked at him. He was, he was putting out a lot of lightweight, superficial stuff. So if the timeline was a little later, like if they had said he, uh, you know, he died after the White Album or something, uh, I might, I might be more susceptible with believing. I said, well, yeah, there's kind of a look at his solo stuff, you know. Compared well, to I that. agree with you there. Yeah, right. A lot of his solo stuff was, eh, you know, yeah. but um, but he he did have uh, wings, right? Yeah, no, and he uh, and he had great songs with wings, you know. Um, uh, yeah. and and some of his solo stuff was good, and, and whatever he did with Michael Jackson. Uh, was cool, yeah. but then you can credit Michael Jackson for that sort of stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, to circle back, and then I, I want to get into uh, Paul, and and maybe we'll get into John Lennon because there's also the John Lennon was replaced, and John Lennon is still alive from some <laughs> guy in in, uh, in Canada, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Shouts to my people from the Iron Realm Media, Josh Corey, and the rest. Um, well, there's also there's also a guy I can't remember his name. There's also a guy that I think believes that Stephen King was actually the actual murder of uh, John Lennon. Really? There's a guy out there that believes. Yeah, I don't like yeah. Stephen King, but I don't know if I can believe that. <laughs> there was something in the news talking yeah. about that that uh, who was it? Mark Mark David Chapman, right? Yes. That 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 exonerated him or something like that, or or that they oh, were well, there was well, something. Well, Watch our, our friend Chris Graves and Peter Seacourse, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Seacourse, who have been a lot of uh, they, they've uh, they they have a, have been done a, I think a three part series on John Lennon now and what and God I'm forgetting the name of their podcast now don't oh. digging Chris Graves right I no think. no he's got so many podcasts I can't remember it's get the mad. one he does with Peter no not get mad not digging uh, oh I know which one you're talking about and now I can't I can't they, did, they had me on there with Jack the Ripper so they did a, they did a good job on that but uh, Peter has done. Uh, I wish he'd done this when I was writing on Bard Fame because I, I didn't go into his deep. Peter's found all kinds of stuff about the ballistics. I knew there was something. And of course, all you need to know about that is that uh, Jose Pordormo was the doorman at the Dakota. And this guy has connections to all the people from the Bay of Pigs and, and uh, Jesus Christ. around the JFK assassination. How does he end up at the Dakota as the doorman in 1980? Holy moly. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Um, I, I'm I'm right by here. Well, I'm in the Bronx, but I can easily get to the Dakota. I pass by the Dakota often, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, just to say, if you're ever in the, in uh, in uh, New York, come check it out. Uh, it's it's something you have to see. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless, um, there's one other piece that I want to speak with you about, and and I'm I'm going to butcher this, but maybe it'll trigger something in your mind. Um, one of John Lennon's, not John Lennon's, Paul McCartney's wife's. I don't know if it, I don't think it was, it was, uh, the one that he was married to forever. I think Linda, it was Linda, Linda. I don't think it was Linda. I think oh, it was he he oh, Heather Mills. Heather Mills is the one, the one with the one leg. Yeah. That she said that she had a horrible yes. secret. What well, was that? I've got, I've got all, I've got all her quotes in the book. Yeah. She just, uh, she, you know, again, she doesn't say that it's about that, but oh, yeah. it's easy to infer that. Right. Cause I don't know what other kind of horrible secret she would have. Right. And, uh, you know, it, but it's, uh, it's very, but of course she was also very, 
you know, really kind of a horrible person. I mean, right. and, and McCartney to be, you know, whether it was him or Billy Shears, I mean, to not sign a prenup agreement when the guy was worth almost a billion dollars. So, uh, you know, she ended up getting, I think a couple hundred million dollars or something. So, uh, which is really just you know <laughs> ridiculous when you think about it. But yeah, she did uh, come out and make those comments and I have the exact quotes in the book, but uh, whether they amount to anything or not, I don't know. She didn't, she didn't seem to capitalize on saying it really. So I, right, I it, it kind of died after she said it. But yeah, yeah. If 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 this is such a vast conspiracy, right? If this if this was, uh, it must have been a top level conspiracy, right? So maybe somebody came up to her and told her to shut up, be like, "Hey, listen, you've gone too far. You want to keep those millions or whatever? Like, uh, be quiet. You know, knock it off." I mean, I'm just saying. I don't know what happened there, but if if it was that top level of a conspiracy, which it would have to be, right? Yeah. At yeah. that point, uh, to to replace this guy, and th there's a lot of. Th I thought it was suspicious that they stopped touring, you know, and they never toured again ever. Nope. Nope. It just didn't nope. happen, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and uh, they would get together to record albums, and that was it. Um, regardless, man, I I thought it was uh, fascinating, and and it's still fascinating to me. I, I I will retell my story of bumping into Paul McCartney here in New York City. I was walking. Uh, down by uh, Central Park, and some dude comes out of a limousine with with a really hot uh, white woman, older. Um, I mean, elegant as hell, you know. So you had to look, mm -hmm. and I look, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Paul McCartney. And and over here in New York, you bump into celebrities all the time, and you right. keep it moving. You don't because right. you bump into them all the time, right? So I right. I seen I've seen everybody, and I haven't said a damn thing to them. I just keep right on going. Right. But that's Paul McCartney. So I had to say something to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so I turned around. I'm like, yo, Paul, what's up? <laughs> and he's like, what's up, mate? You know, and, and then I asked him for a picture and he turned me down. But I was cool. I was like, don't worry about it. He's like, I don't yeah. do pictures, man. I'm like, ah, you're good. You're good, Paul. Hmm. And, he, and he kept it moving. But he was a tall guy. And that, that was another thing that they said that the original Paul wasn't that tall. Well, like, you know, I've, I've noticed and I don't know. Some of the things, Billy, that I notice, I, I why I do my son will tell you because the stuff that's that I notice is ridiculous. But I, I do notice height a lot, yeah. and for whatever reason, I started noticing. Just again, I've watched a lot of video of the Beatles, mm -hmm. and um, I just I'm forever interested in them. And they are Ringo's the shortest, obviously, and George is the second shortest. That's clear. But Paul and John, their heights. I mean, a lot of pictures one of the other one looks significantly taller than the other guy. Right. But it's all about it changes. And I don't know if it's directly, I haven't looked at enough to be able to figure is there directly related to the timeline, but I think that's one of the arguments that one, the original Paul or, or maybe the set, the uh, Billy Shears was taller or something, but there's, there's a difference, but it's, yeah. I don't know if it's from that date or not, but if you look at that, they're very weird because you should generally be able to see if there's four guys in a group, you got to be able to figure out who the tallest one is. Right. But with the Beatles, you can't. <laughs> I don't think. Do you think they were a Tavistock Institute uh, production? The Beatles in, in their totality? I've heard that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of those things where. Uh, uh, sure. It's not, it's not sure it's possible. But I, I just don't want to. I, I don't want to have everything ruined for me. You know, and that's and that's where right. when they do that, it's like, OK, I understand that. Uh, to me, they were. Uh, again the original beatles especially in the later beatles you can criticize them for a lot of things they're the ones that helped publicize lsd use especially and uh you know the, and a lot of the musicians did 
But the Beatles, because they're so popular, I think they probably made people go down the wrong path. They shouldn't have tried to glamorize drugs, but they got hooked on themselves. But the original pop music was really innocent. And uh, it was it was it was something unique. You know, I remember, as, as you know, as I was a little kid. But then later, as you grow up, when you when you when you get into a band like I did, uh, the Beatles set the standard for what the band was now. You know, three guitarists and a drums. And, uh, you know, sometimes you had a keyboard player if you had extra players. But basically it was lead guitar, acoustic guitar and bass and, and uh, a drummer. The Beatles kind of set that standard and uh, they, uh, you know, they dominated music. Like if it was a Tavistock project that you'd think they would have tried another one at some point because of all the successful groups that have happened, the Beatles, nobody comes close to their number of hit. At one time, Billy, in I think 1964, they had the top five records. They were they were number one through number five in the top forty, and obviously, not, and I think they had like fourteen of the top hundred. Right. I mean, that's never happened. It will never happen again. So they they dominated. Now they were they did have incredible publicity. Brian Epstein and uh, Capitol Records were were really great about marketing. And I talk in bar, unbarred fame about how uh, I know as a, as a seven year old. Uh, they built it up for me. I kept hearing something about these Beatles. And I remember they uh, they had uh, American Bandstand played. It would, you know, I was watching that even at that age. I was a music nut, even as a little kid. And uh, they were playing Rate That Record, and they played I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah. And I just remember as a kid, like, it, I mean, maybe it was uh, Tavistock, but it, it, it hit us. It struck a chord in me, man. Like, I, nothing else. Wow, what the hell is this? It sounds so different. Yeah. And then they were saying the Beatles are coming the Beatles, and when they come into Ed Sullivan and they had the marketing campaign I talk about uh, in the book where they, the record stores, they had them, they, they gave the, these Beatle heads, you know, and they would, uh, they, the record store started out by uh, having the, the back of the heads or the posters. And then they would, next they, they'd start turn them slightly like 30 degrees every week. And then eventually like the last week when they're coming, suddenly you could see their faces. Right. So, I mean, that's, it was intense, expensive uh, marketing and the girl thing, again, this is almost like, it is kind of an intelligence operation, but it was, it was good strategy. They paid young girls or initially they paid them to come out and start screaming and going crazy at the airport and stuff. And people are followers. So once other young girls saw that and they had, then they didn't have to pay anybody anymore. They just started going nuts on their own. So I, I hope it wasn't a Tavistock project. It wouldn't shock me. But, um, and that's the case. I mean, I, and I have, I've heard people again, cause I loved music. I wrote songs myself and uh, I've heard, I've had people explain to me, you know, how it's, it's gotta be, you know, two minutes, a little over two minutes for the hit songs back then. And they do it on purpose. The beat is uh, so many beats per minute and it's done to try to, you know, it, it basically, programs you or something i don't know i i just i i just prefer to listen and say i like i like that song i and i i love you know 1960s rock and roll that's still my favorite so i i don't like to think that uh that they were tavistock i don't i don't completely discount it but i i, I don't know what the evidence is and it, i think it was mainly the linda larouche people that started pushing that and they have they have some good stuff, but they're right. also kind of out there with those things. Too. Even if they were 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 Tavistock, it was amazing. It was amazing music. <laughs> yes, like I mean, you can't discount it. At least I, I I won't. I'll still listen to it. Like okay, it was a Tavistock Institute experiment. All right, this was dope. This was really good. You know. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, and, and it remains like, I mean, they, they were excellent, excellent albums, right? Uh, incredible stuff, incredible songs, like legendary songs that will last forever and ever and ever. Right. You know, so uh, I, I, you know, it, music is innate to move a human. Like it, it's just, there's something about it, right? Like uh, I go, it goes back to the drum and it's going to make you nod your head, right? If, if it's beat long yeah. enough eventually you're going to start nodding your head that's just or it's going to invoke some type of emotion in you depending yes. on the chords that are played and how yeah. they're played right it's so it's it's magic it's hypnotic you know so it can it can manipulate emotion it, it is it is it is literal magic right like no I mean, it is and I, and I you know the beatles again they uh they were the first band that that I, well i mean you could buddy holly wrote his own stuff which was yeah. you know great and uh dylan you know, I was writing songs, stuff, but but the Beatles were a band, and they they were so prolific, and to to look at the songs they wrote and how quickly they wrote them, and how you know you had Lennon and McCartney uh, again; these were real young guys, and most of the bands you had professional songwriters. You had uh, in New York, you had the Brill Building, including a young Carol King, uh, Neil Sedaka, people like that. They were artists too. They were cranking out these hits for the Ronettes and all you know all the Phil Spector groups. The Beatles were different. They came along and said, you know, hey, we're writing our own stuff. And uh, right. they and they they did it, they did it even better than the Brill people did. I mean, they they come up with it, I want to hold your hand, she loves you, things that are just so catchy. And that was what was unique about them. They had the ability because they weren't necessarily the best musicians. I mean, they were all good, but I think their brilliance was in their songwriting and the right. way they collectively did it. And I, you know, again, I'm prejudiced, but I think John Lennon had the most incredible voice I've ever heard. You go back and listen to his version of Twist and Shout uh, and and uh, Please Mr. Postman. And they were both remakes of black songs. Right. And most of the time when white artists cover those black songs back then, they sound like Pat Boone did trying to cover Fats Domino and people laugh at it. <laughs> the Beatles, because of Lennon's voice, their versions were better. Right. I mean, it's just, just look, listen to him Twist and Shout. Those those. I mean, it's unbelievable the way he, he hit notes and, and just, uh, just like I said, I, I don't know. I love the guy, obviously, but, um, and again, McCartney was pretty good too, but I guess I'm, I'm prejudiced for Lennon. So uh, I love John Lennon. I, I, I think he's uh next level as well. I just, um, and this is lately because I used to be a, uh, I mean, I think I used to think that John Lennon was my, my favorite, of course, but then in just listening to a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of Paul songs. I was like, man, I like this a lot more. Yeah. Um, not even a lot more. I just like it. I, there, there's something about Helter Skelter. It, it's an energy that Paul McCartney or Billy Shears had. <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it's it's well, it's, it's credit. It's credited with being the first metal song. A lot right. of people think Helter Skelter was the first metal song. I, I and I can understand that. You know, it, he just has an enthusiasm about it. Behind it, it comes off that way. So that's why he was uh he is my my favorite Beatle. And uh I, I love his music. I, I love it. I but I love the, the Beatles also. Billy Shears, hey Don, let everybody know uh where they can find this book. Well, again, you can find it at, at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the usual places. And uh it's uh from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Road, mm. a Billy Shears story. And again, it's it's um we have fun with it, but there's uh uh, the clues are there yeah with the legend may not be real but the clues are very real and it's a lot of fun and, it, and we you know a lot of the, especially the celebrities we talk to 
they spent probably more time talking about how much they love the Beatles <laughs> as, as most of us did. So right. uh, it's a lot of fun. And if you remember just how great they were, and it kind of takes you back to a more innocent era that, uh, you know, we'll never have, especially when you listen to a lot of the music that's out today, it's like, <laughs> it's never going to be like that again, that level of uh, music, pop music, especially. Right. Ne never, ever uh, again. I want you to give us a little bit on the new COVID book you just dropped uh, just a little bit. We're not going to do too much because I want to have you back for a full show on that. <laughs> well, it wasn't as much fun to write, I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, I have the forward is by Sherry Tenpenny. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very proud of that. She's, you know, got a pretty big uh, reputation out there. Naomi uh, Wolf wrote a blurb and uh, my my buddy Susan Olson from, from the Brady Bunch did. And she's, uh, you know, she's, uh, we're, we're mutual admiration society. And uh, it just, it goes over the whole story because I, I want I think it's it's different from uh, RFK Jr.'s book on Fauci and uh, from Naomi's own book on this, uh, The Bodies of Others, and uh, Peter McCullough's book and Alex Berenson's book. There's been other books about it, but I don't think anybody goes as far as I do. I'm skeptical about the entire thing, and I go back from the very beginning, and I talk about, you know, how did this start? And I talk about the numbers coming out of Italy and all that stuff, and I use John Rappaport a lot to do some great research. And I don't think anybody else is doing that. And I go where they don't go. I talk about the uh, empty hospitals. I talked to not only uh, Jason Goodman, but uh, citizen journalist Richard, who did a better job, was more thorough about it. And uh, and I talk about the uh, the supposed uh, trucks with with bodies in it. And I, I talked to the guys that you know that went and filmed it and filmed that they were all turned off. You know, they zoomed in on it and said it was turned off, so they weren't they weren't <laughs> preserving anything. So, and of course the dancing nurses too mm. on TikTok. There's so many elements to this. I think that puts it into the nature of the surreal because when you get by, you know, just, just ask yourself in these hospitals, I worked in a hospital for a long time. I can't imagine any circumstances where I'd be walking along the halls and I, I didn't have a high opinion of nurses. Believe me, I was a gauged one, but uh, <laughs> you know, I saw them at parties and everything and they're, they're fine when they're not there, but when they're there, you don't want to mess with them. But um <laughs> I cannot conceive of them doing what we saw on these videos. I mean, these are choreographed dance routines that took some time. And supposedly this is when they're overwhelmed and these patients, I mean, the last thing they should have been doing is working at dance routines. Right. So I think somebody has got to explain that. So that's, I put all that in the context of it. And of course I have, um, and you know, I'm also skeptical. This is kind of a counter to the Republican thing too of the, China, China, China thing. So I, so I'm, I, you know, I, I have my own take on it. Readers can read it, and you know, I'm sure I'll get a lot of uh, feedback from all kinds, and, and not everybody will agree with me. But like you said, I, I say what I say, and I just, right. I just think this is where again, I, I don't really draw conclusions. I just put the facts out there for you, and I think people can hopefully draw. I think the obvious conclusion, but uh, it's, it's a. It's a very complex story, and the whole story is in the book, at least up to when we can. Like that guy, Dr. Butar, that just died mysteriously the other day. I mean, I couldn't include that. I had a lot of the mysterious deaths, right? right but right. he just recently died as well, 57 years old. So it's still, as I said, there's no easy way to end a book like this because it's an ongoing story. Right, and it will continue for years and years and years and years. But that's why you do addendums, right? Right. Uh, right. So, so that's, that's very right. possible. We're, we're going to have Don back for a full episode on that book. We will sit down and talk about it. It's going to be super interesting. We just talked about Paul McCartney, Mr. Don Jeffries. Thank you for taking the time. And, and speaking to little old me here at the Infinite Fringe. We Always really for appreciate you. Appreciate it, sir. Um, tell the people where they can find you. 
Well, donaldjeffries.media is the website, but uh, again, I'm, I'm pushing Substack. That's the only place I'm not shadow banned. Uh, uh, donaldjeffries.substack.com is called I Protest, just like my uh, Friday show on Rockfin and uh, yeah. on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to there. I'm getting, I'm growing there. I'm getting lots more subscribers. There's a pay option if you want to help. And I, I'm getting more paid subscribers. So it's wonderful, but that's the only place really I can, you know, so check there for updates. I'll be promoting the COVID book, uh, there again tomorrow, because I really, I can't do it as well on social media because they do, especially this book, they're going to be, uh, obviously, uh, the fact checker is going to be out and about, but, uh, so that's, that's the best place to find me is at donaldjeffries.substack.com. Fantastic. Mr. Don Jeffries, ladies and gentlemen, America Unplugged every Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern with Don Jeffries and that dude, Tony Arterburn. What's up, Tone? How you doing? And of course, uh, me uh, over there with them. We do it every Saturday. Come check us. This is the Infinite Fringe. You guys take it easy now. Be good. Thank you for hanging out. You know, don't burn the place down while we are done. Take it easy now. Bye bye. <laughs>